Hey there, Schweitzer. Welcome. Welcome to worship. It's so good that we can be joining together and worshiping our Lord together today. Whatever the day is and wherever you're at, we are so glad that you've tuned in so that we can worship together. If you're worshiping with us for the first time, we want to say a special welcome to you. We've got a Starbucks gift card. If you just hit the sign in button, let us know that you're here. We'd love to send you a gift card to Starbucks. It's a great time of the year for pumpkin spice lattes and all kinds of other treats. Hit that note, let us know that you're here. Today we're going to continue our sermon series on Elijah. We're on week four. Life is full of successes and it's also got some valleys. We're going to hear about Elijah's valley today. And Spencer's going to lead us and he's going to show us how the Lord came to spoke and spoke into Elijah's life and the Lord has something for us as well. If you'd like to unpack this sermon, if you'd like to have some discussion questions, if you go to sumc.co slash next, you'll find discussion questions. If you're a part of a small group or you'd like to start a small group, you can use those discussion questions to dig deeper into this sermon. We encourage you to do so. Next up is Stephanie, and she's got some more ways about how we can connect and grow in our faith here through Schweitzer. Let's take a listen. Hi, this is Stephanie. This week kicks off our second season ministry with a boomer bash on Friday night from 6 to 8 p.m. with live music, food, lawn games, and more. Then on Saturday, we're hosting a half-day seminar with author Amy Hansen. She'll be encouraging you to make the most of this season of life. The cost for the seminar is $5, which includes lunch. You're going to want to secure your spot by stopping in the lobby on your way out to sign up or checking out online at sumc.co slash second season. Ladies, if you are still interested in joining us for our women's retreat in Branson on October 16th and 17th, we still have room for you to attend on either Saturday or Sunday. You can find out more information today in the lobby or by heading over to sumc.co slash women's retreat to sign up and get more information. You'll want to sign up by October 8th. Starting on October 17th, we'll begin collecting food for our Flourish Food Pantry. This is a great way to give back to the community and really make a difference. As you're preparing your shopping list, a few key items we're looking for are canned fruit, beans, laundry detergent, and dish soap. You can find out more at sumc.co slash next. On Sunday, October 24th from 3 to 5 p.m., we're hosting a big fall festival here at Schweitzer, and we're looking for volunteers to stock up and decorate your car or truck for our trunk or treat. This will be a fun afternoon for our community and kids with a pumpkin patch and lots more. You can find out more and sign up at sumc.co slash next. We are so happy that you're with us this morning. Let's continue with worship. Thanks, Stephanie. If you're worshiping with us live, we invite you to say hello, wave to your friends. If you like prayer, there's somebody in the prayer room that would be happy to pray with you. Now, as we enter into worship, I invite us to hear these words. Holy, 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 God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Let us worship together. called glory so bright and so fair when I entered the gates I cried holy Then I said, 
Today, friends, as we've already said, we're going to be talking about Elijah's um, trip through the valley. There's a prayer in the in the book called Common Prayer, a Liturgy for Ordinary Radicals, that I'd like to share with us and invite you to pray along with me today. It's a prayer of, of welcoming the Sabbath and asking God to br- bring us to a place of rest. So let's pray together. Lord of creation, Create in us a new rhythm of life, composed of hours that sustain rather than stress, of days that deliver rather than destroy, of time that tickles rather than tackles. Lord of liberation, by the rhythm of your truth, set us free from the bondage and baggage that break us, from the pharaohs and fellows who fail us, from the plans and pursuits that prey upon us. Lord of resurrection, May we be raised into the rhythm of your new life, dead to deceitful calendars, dead to fleeting friend requests, dead to empty peace of our accomplishments. To our packed full calendars, we bid peace. To our over-caffeinated consciences, we say cease. To our suffocating selves, Lord, grant release. 
drowning in a sea of deadlines and death times, we rest in you, our lifeline. By your ever-restful grace, allow us to enter your Sabbath rest as your Sabbath rest enters into us. We pray all this in the name of our Creator, our Liberator, our resurrection and life. We pray to the Father, with the Son, through the Spirit. Amen and amen. Kind Father, hear our prayer for a Sabbath rest and take the prayers that we've prayed and do your work in them. Bring your kingdom close and help us rest now and always in you. And teach us to pray. Teach us to pray always when we say the words of Jesus. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. One of the acts of worship that we continue to participate in every week is the act of giving. The Lord has given great things to us and we get to give back to our tithes and offerings. We can give here through sumc.co slash give. You can mail something to the church office or you can use the church app. Lots of different ways to give, be a part of what God is up to. One of the things we're really excited about today is that Doug King is joining our staff as the director of modern worship. Doug is uh, really talented. He's got a great spirit. He's really looking forward to what God wants to do in worship through Schweitzer and what God wants to do through Schweitzer into the rest of this community. We're going to get introduced to Doug via a video and a song of worship, and those are going to come up at the end of today's worship time. So we encourage you to stick around after the sermon, hear that interview from Doug, and, and uh, join Doug in worshiping the Lord. Now, it's time for us to go into the story of Elijah, week number four. Let's take a listen to what, what is happening in the text and how God may be speaking to us today. Let's enter in. This is the story of Elijah. Someone just like us. When Ahab arrived in Jezreel, he told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done including the massacre of the prophets. Jezebel immediately sent a messenger to Elijah with her threat. The gods will get you for this, and I'll get even with you. By this time tomorrow, you'll be as dead as any one of those prophets. Terrified, Elijah ran for his life to Beersheba, far in the south of Judah. He left his young servant there and then journeyed into the desert for one day and collapsed in the shade of a broom tree. There, he prayed for God to just end his life until he fell asleep. Suddenly, an angel shook him awake and said, Get up and eat! He looked around and, to his surprise, right by his head were a loaf of bread baked on some coals and a jug of water. He ate the meal and went back to sleep. The angel returned, shook him awake again and said, Get up and eat some more! You've got a long journey ahead of you! He got up, ate, and drank his fill, and set out. Strengthened by the meal, he walked for forty days and nights all the way to the mountain of God, to Horeb. When he got there, he crawled into a cave and went to sleep. Then the word of God came to him. So, Elijah, what are you doing here? I've been working my heart out for God, said Elijah. The people of Israel have abandoned your covenant, destroyed the places of worship, and murdered your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. 
Then Elijah was told, Leave this cave and go stand on the mountainside in my presence. A hurricane wind ripped through the mountains and shattered the rocks, but God was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake shook the ground, but God was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a great fire, but God was not in the fire. Finally, when the winds calmed and the ground ceased to quake, and the last ember of fire burned itself out, a calm, cool breeze brought a gentle whisper to Elijah's ears. So, Elijah, what are you doing here? As I said before, I've been working my heart out for God, said Elijah. The people of Israel have abandoned your covenant, destroyed the places of worship, and murdered your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me, and they won't stop until they do. God replied, Go back the way you came through the desert to Damascus. There I want you to anoint Hazael as Aram's king, Jehu the son of Nimshi as Israel's king, and Elisha the son of Shaphat to replace you as prophet. Meanwhile, I am keeping for myself the 7,000 Israelites who have not bowed down to Baal. Well, welcome today. Uh, my name is Spencer. I'm so glad that you've joined us today. Uh, this is part four of our series on Elijah. We're spending eight weeks reading the story of Elijah in the Bible, and he is one of those just inspiring people. Elijah is brave and bold. He trusts God. He's courageous. He stands by his convictions. He also sees all these miracles happen in his life. Like Elijah is just so inspiring. And sometimes when you read these inspiring people in the Bible, it's easy to forget that they're exactly that. People just like us, hence the title of the series, Elijah, Just Like Us. They have struggles and doubts, temptations, just like we do, and yet God is able to move through them. And so my hope in this series is that as we go through this, you would be encouraged to see that, that God can move through your life just like anyone else, even Elijah. And so as we've been through this uh, story with Elijah so far, what we've seen is that Elijah is a man who's experienced just victory after victory, success after success. Uh, we first met Elijah in chapter 17 a few weeks ago, and the first thing out of Elijah's mouth was he declared this drought. And on the other side of that, we saw God provide for him in just miraculous ways. He fed him uh, through ravens by a brook, and then the Lord uh, sent him to this widow with this jar of oil that would never run out. And then, and then Elijah prayed over this dead child, and he came back to life. And, and, and then we saw the week after that, this showdown on Mount Carmel between Elijah and the prophets of Baal, where the Lord miraculously calls the people back to himself. And then last week, we saw Elijah pray and that the drought ended after three and a half years. And, and uh, we talked about bold prayer and trusting God in the big things. And this is what we've seen in Elijah. It's just success after success, victory after victory. And then comes chapter 19. Very different. Because no, there's no success. There's no victory. Instead, this is loneliness and depression and, and burnout. We've already heard the story once. It's been told to us. But this is Elijah, not at his heights where he's going up and to the right with his life. But this is Elijah in the pits of despair. I mean, listen to how the Bible describes this specifically. Let's read one of the verses from 19. This is verse 4. Just listen to how it describes where Elijah's at. It says, so Elijah came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Elijah is in despair. The distress has caught up to him, and, 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 and he is uh, just a totally different person. Because you got to wonder, where did the guy go who, who trusted God all the time? Where did the guy go who had all this faith and who, who could face whatever it was, that all, the, all the challenges he had? Like, where did he go? Because this is a, almost like a different person, because Elijah is in just incredible despair. And, and what gets me is that as you read through the Bible, you see this kind of thing happen with a lot of heroes of the Bible. I think about David, for instance. David kills Goliath, stands up to the giant, but then go read some of what he wrote in the Psalms. Oh my goodness, there's some real, real dark writing there. Or think about Jonah. Jonah was sent by God to, to Nineveh to go preach, and, and he goes and uh, a revival breaks out. People start repenting and changing their life, and it's just absolutely incredible. But on the other side of that, Jonah prays that he would die. 
Or Moses. Moses is like the hero of the Bible. He sees all kinds of victories, all kinds of success, miracles happen. But then also he has these episodes that are, that are just like Elijah. Let's look at one of those. Let's go to Numbers chapter 11. It's an incredible picture into the kind of the heart of Moses as he goes into some despair like Elijah does. And Numbers 11, this is, this is while the people of Israel are wandering in the desert. So after they've been freed from slavery, the 10 plagues, the, the Passover, those miraculous events, after the party in the Red Sea where the Israelites are delivered from, from slavery, from the Egyptians, after the 10 commandments, like after all those things, they're wandering in the desert. And this is how it goes. This is uh, Numbers 11, verse four. It says, the rabble with them, began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started, listen to this word, wailing. They're wailing over food. They're wailing over what it is that the Lord is providing for them because their food at this point is the the miracle of manna. It's manna from heaven. Every day, God sends them bread. Every day, God provides for them. And they're, they're wailing over that. We keep reading and it says, it says, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish that we ate in Egypt at no cost. And of course it has no cost because y- you were slaves, but you've forgotten that point. Goes on and says, also the cucumbers, melons, leeks. I mean, how bad is it when you're craving leeks? Onions and garlic, but now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna, this miraculous provision of God, by the way, this manna. Skip down to verse 10. It says, Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance of their tents. Now, I know the Bible says it's every family, but I've been doing this work long enough that I know that when you're a leader, sometimes criticism seems to like compound and it's almost like compounding interest. Like it just kind of grows over time. And so a little bit of criticism, if it's not dealt with, can turn into a whole lot in the leader's mind. And and when that happens, you know, it doesn't need to be everyone is against you, but it starts to feel that way because because it's, it's just has compounded in your mind, your reality has been distorted. And so I, I kind of wonder with Moses, is it really every family wailing at the entrance of the tent or is it like, like five, like really vocal families? But it feels like everyone because it's, just, it's compounded in his head. And so everyone's at the tent, they're wailing. We keep reading here, it says, the Lord became exceedingly angry and Moses was troubled. And so he asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land? You promised on oath to their ancestors. Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me. Give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, please listen to this. Go ahead and kill me. If I have found favor in your eyes and do not let me face my own ruin. Just like Elijah, Moses is a man of incredible faith. Just like Elijah, Moses is a hero of the Bible. He sees God do miracle after miracle through his life. Just like Elijah, Moses finds himself in depression, finds himself in despair. He finds himself wishing that he would die instead of continue to serve the Lord and go through this, this struggle. Just like Elijah, he finds himself in despair. Now, now sometimes as Christians, um, we think that if we feel like this, we feel this despair, this loneliness, depression, the burnout, or the, the stress catches up to us. Like we feel as Christians that a lot of times like that's a failure of our faith. Like, like sometimes as Christians, we are slow to ask for help to go to counseling, to talk to somebody about what we're facing, because we feel like it's a, it's a failure on our part, as if, if only I had more faith, then, you know, I wouldn't feel this way. I wouldn't have these mental health struggles. I, I, I wouldn't have this despair. I wouldn't feel as lonely as I am. I wouldn't let the stress get to me. Like, like we felt if we just had more faith and we wouldn't do this. But I, I want you to hear the, hear me. The, the truth is that, that faithful people like Moses, like Elijah, they go through these moments too. Faithful people will find themselves in, in moments in life and seasons in life that, that are full of despair. Faithful people will experience this. 
One of my uh, heroes in the Bible, or outside of the Bible, is uh, Martin Luther. Martin Luther started the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s. Incredible man of faith. He's, a, he's an Elijah kind of character. He, he brings the people back to the Lord. He does this by the Reformation, nailing the 95 Thesis to the church door in Wittenberg. I mean, just incredible faith, incredible, incredible faith. Um, and when he does that, of course, it invites all kind of persecution on him from the Catholic Church. And, and uh, he even risks his own death because uh, what he's doing is he's challenging the authorities. And, and as he does this, he has to go into hiding on the other side of this uh, Reformation, the starting of this, this protest, um, because of the, the danger that's, that's coming to him. And, and the danger catches up to him, the loneliness, the stress. And he, he finds himself going through seasons of despair as well. Um, Luther famously calls this time in his life um, his melancholy. Like he experiences the sadness and this loneliness and the stress, this, this depression upon him. And so he, he struggles through this melancholy. Now, now what gets me about Martin Luther is we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for his actions. Like we stand in the tradition of Protestants. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for his protest and his incredible faith. And yet at the same time, he had these kind of struggles that Moses had, that Elijah has. He has these same struggles that many, many faithful people have. In fact, it's, it's, it's been, uh, it's believed that, uh, that Luther's famous hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, was written because of his struggle with depression. I mean, Luther's a man of faith. Moses is a man of faith. Elijah's a person of faith. All these people are faithful, faithful people who also go through this. And this is what happens. Like when you go through seasons of intense stress, what happens is you go through burnout. You find yourself in despair. You find yourself in depression. Oftentimes you find yourself with distorted realities. You're not seeing the world the way that it really is because this stress, it, it gets to you. Even faithful people will go through these seasons in life. Uh, for, for me, one of my most stressful seasons of ministry was um, six years ago, 2015. Uh, well, right now as well, but in 2015, I went through a, an incredible stressful season um, in ministry. We were in Kansas City. We were leading this church that was going through some changes. And I don't know if you know this or not, but churches generally don't like changes. We brought consultants in, which is always a fun experience. And the consultants helped us make some changes we needed to make. Uh, we because of these changes, lost some people, lost some staff. We lost um, some really key givers as well. It was a stressful time. We were doing a capital campaign to pay off debt because we were drowning in debt at the moment. Uh, we we um, we had a, a violent attack that took place in our church. A violent crime took place in our church during this time. And then on top of it, our church flooded. It was like thing after thing after thing after thing after thing after thing happened in this season. Like this about one year of just just, just stress. And and. And it was one of those, those times where, like, as I was going through this, the stress was like compounding on top of it. And, and I found myself like, if one person had a little bit of criticism, that one little bit of criticism felt like it must have been from everybody. And so I remember, like, I never wanted to check my email in those days because I was like, oh my goodness, what is it going to be now? Who, who am I going to hear from now? And I just, it just was like this compounding kind of stress that was taking place. So I remember it was, uh, it was in September. I took my kids to gymnastics one evening and I was sitting there with the parents wherever they, they sit and I was, wasn't really paying attention to gymnastics. I was, I was on my phone, I was scrolling through Twitter and I came across this, this tweet linking to an article about, uh, it was like nine or 10, I don't remember what it was, nine or 10 signs of burnout. So I, I clicked on it because it was an author I like and I started to read through this article about burnout. And as I was reading through this article on my phone in the middle of gymnastics, I found myself starting to cry. And, and I was crying because I, I was realizing that I was on this, like the knife's edge. I was on the cliff of going over towards burnout. This is what was describing this. I was like, I was right there. And I didn't even realize how lonely I was, how much despair I felt, the depression I was, I was feeling at the time. Like I, I didn't realize any of those things until I started to read this, this article. And if, and if you don't know me very well, you should know that I'm not usually the guy who's wiping away tears at his kid's gymnastics studio. But this was this moment, it caught up to me where I realized, oh my goodness, I'm I'm not doing well. And what had taken place through this season was that so much of my reality had been distorted to where I felt like I was all on my own. I mean, I remember thinking that I felt like I was swimming upstream every single day by myself where, where people were coming against me. Now, the reality was this church was incredible and they were supportive and so helpful. But what happens in those moments is your reality begins to get distorted you, you, you don't ask for help because you think you're by yourself. And, and this is how you start to go. Even faithful people doing God's work find themselves in these moments where they're, they feel like they're all alone. Reality is getting distorted. The, the stress is compounding upon them and they find themselves in despair. 
And so I think about Elijah and I can't help but think this must be what he's feeling. The stress is compounding. He's not seeing reality. He thinks he's all by himself. He doesn't see the Lord's hand anymore. And, and he just, he's got this distortion of reality that's taking place as he's going through this despair. And, and this is what makes the Lord's response to Elijah so astounding. Because think about how the Lord responds to Elijah as he's, as he's on this mountain or as he's on this, in this journey. Does, the, like the Lord doesn't conf, confront him. The Lord doesn't um, correct him. The Lord doesn't rebuke him. There's no... Um, Thou shall not be depressed anymore kind of word from the Lord. There's, there's no commands like this at all. That's not how the Lord responds to Elijah when he's in this moment. Instead, as we think about the story, how does the Lord respond to Elijah? Well, the first thing he does is he sends an angel to cook dinner for him. And then he lets Elijah sleep in, which, by the way, Elijah does a lot in this chapter. He's so depressed. He sleeps all the time. And, and then the Lord sends Elijah to Mount Horeb, which is another name of Mount Sinai which was where Moses received the Ten Commandments. And when Elijah goes to the mountain, he meets the Lord. And it is worth reading word for word this encounter that, that Elijah has with the Lord. So let's read this. Starting in verse 9, 1 Kings 19, here's what it says. It says, There he, that is Elijah, went into a cave and spent the night. He's, he's asleep again. It's what he does throughout this chapter. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Listen to how lonely Elijah sounds right here. He is all by himself. And so how is the Lord going to respond to this this, uh, this accusation that he's by himself, that the Lord has abandoned him, that there's no one else to help him. How's the Lord respond? Does he correct him? Does he rebuke him? Does he offer him a command to change his attitude? Is this how the Lord handles him? Not at all. Listen. So the Lord said to him, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. By the way, this language comes from Exodus 33, where Moses is also taken to the presence of the Lord, where the Lord passes by. And so we're, we're made to think, this is written like this, to, to make us think about this time where Moses encountered the glory of God, the greatness of God on the mountain. Keep reading here, it says, Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. So here are these big demonstrations of God's power. A fire, an earthquake, this wind, this big demonstrations of God's glory, but the Lord is not in those things because this is not what Elijah needs right now. And instead, the Lord is going to meet with Elijah in a totally different way. The next line says it like this. It says, after the fire came a gentle whisper. Traditional translations will say, after the fire came a still small voice. The literal reading of, of this Hebrew would be, after the fire came the sound of silence. The Lord meets with Elijah, not in a spectacular demonstration, not in a miracle like you read on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal. The Lord meets with Elijah in this unspectacular sound of silence, this moment of stillness, because this is what Elijah needs. And I, I think it's so incredibly astounding that the Lord's care for Elijah in this moment is to meet with him in this unspectacular, this, this, this normal kind of way of just this stillness and the silence before him. And of course, as I read Elijah on uh, the mountain in 1 Kings 19, I can't help but also think about Jesus. I can't help but think about the time that Jesus went up on a mountain and he took some disciples with him as he went up on this mountain. And as he went up on this mountain, the Bible tells us that Jesus was um, transfigured. This is uh, often called the Mount of Transfiguration. And I, I can't help but think about this because as Jesus goes up on the mountain, he takes three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, and he's transfigured before them. He shows them his glory, the presence of God. And it's this incredible, overwhelming, spectacular, miraculous kind of event. Here's how the Bible describes it. This is Matthew chapter 17. I'm going to start reading in verse 2. It says that Jesus' face shone like the sun, like the glory of God is showing up here. And it says his clothes become as, as white as the, as the light. And just then, 
there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. So here is Jesus in his glory as the Son of God, the the second person of the Trinity showing up, the, the Word of God revealed, his power before them, his clothes are glowing, and now all of a sudden, like Moses and Elijah are here. This is a like a what the what is going on here? And it's the glory of God, the greatness of God shown before them. And and Peter, James, and John are like overwhelmed by the majesty of God that they see in this in this mountain. And so verse four, Peter said to Jesus. Lord, it is good for us to be here. Lord, this is awesome. Oh my goodness. I can't even fathom what's going on here. You're glowing. And there's Moses and Elijah. This is what's going on here. So it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Hey, Lord, let's stay here forever because this is awesome. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. The glory of God revealed to Peter, James, and John, this uh, miraculous kind of event that we see here on, on the Mount of Transfiguration. In this strange kind of way, Elijah shows up. And so I can't help but think, of 1 Kings 19 when Elijah's on the mountain and then not think of the transfiguration as Elijah's back on the mountain this time with Jesus. And this story of the transfiguration, it is so strange. Oh my goodness, it's so weird. It's like, what do you do with this? That Jesus in his glory and greatness shows up to Peter, James, and John alongside Elijah, the power of God revealed. And honestly, this story of the transfiguration, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense unless you compare it to another time that Jesus goes up on a mountain. You see, there's this, this other mountain that Jesus climbed that's very different than this mountain. And this mountain transfiguration really only makes sense when you compare the two mountains together. Because this other mountain, it's, um, it's outside of Jerusalem. And then this other mountain that Jesus climbs, he's not revealed to the world in glory. Rather, he is revealed to the world in shame. On this other mountain, uh, Jesus' clothes aren't glowing white with the glory of God. Rather, he's stripped of his clothes and the soldiers who are guarding him will gamble over who gets to keep them. On this, this other mountain, Jesus is not flanked by the heroes of faith, Moses and Elijah, but rather he's flanked by two criminals, two outcasts. On this other mountain, Jesus doesn't hear the voice of the Father say, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. Instead, A Roman centurion, a a soldier, a pagan soldier says, surely this must have been the Son of God. And what I find so astounding is that when you compare these two mountains, our salvation, it didn't come from the mountain of glory. It came from this mountain of shame. It didn't come from the mountain of victory of the mountain transfiguration. It came from this mount called Calvary. Like what we really needed God to do was he came to be with us, not just in our victories, but also in our defeats. The, the Lord is with us, not in just our successes, but also in our lows. He's with us in our failures. He's with us when life comes crumbling down. This is also when he's with us. Why this story of the transfiguration only makes sense when you put it with the story of Calvary is because God is with us both in our highs and in our lows. The mystery of God is that he is at work both in our successes and our failures. And so I think of Elijah, the, the prophet of the Lord that is that is sent before us and this man who finds himself in despair and depression and loneliness. And and I can't help but think of God's response to him. He doesn't correct him. He doesn't try to change him. He doesn't doesn't try to, to, to give him a command to change his attitude. Rather, the Lord meets him exactly where he's at. And today I wanna remind you of a simple yet very important truth that Elijah is just like you. The Lord is with you in your successes and victories, and the Lord is with you in your depressions and defeats. The Lord is with you in your highs. He's with you in your lows. The Lord is with you when your life is going up and to the right, and he is with you when the stress is compounding and you feel like you're all alone. The Lord is with you then. The Lord is for you The Lord is on your side. The Lord is by your side. And you will find him in both the spectacular and you will find him in the shame. You'll find him in both places. 
because the Lord is with you. And so today I want you to be encouraged to to experience the presence of God no matter where your life might look right now because the Lord is for you, just like he was with Elijah. Let's pray together. And so Father, today um, we give you thanks that you meet with us right where we're at. And there are some of us whose life, oh my goodness, it is like victory after victory right now. It is a season of of great joy. But there's others of us who there is not much joy in our lives at all. There's some of us right now who are going through grief and pain and trouble and stress and it is catching up to us. And we need to hear this this stillness, this word that you give to Elijah that that you are with him even in those moments because, because we need to be reminded that you are always with us, always for us always walking alongside of us. Um, Lord, I pray for, for my friends who, who might be struggling with despair, with depression, with loneliness, and may you give them relief. May they find someone to talk to, someone to, to reach out to, and find joy in you. And so God, today we thank you that you meet with us right where we're at in every season of life. We give you thanks in the name of Jesus, our Savior, who died for us and rose again, we pray. Amen. Hi, my name is Doug King. I'm the director of Modern Worship. Looking forward to joining the team here. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about my family. Uh, My wife, Erica, and I have been married for 17 years. We've got two kids. Our oldest, Logan, is seven. Uh, Our youngest, Mila, is five. And we've lived here in Springfield um, most of our life. Uh, Grew up in church, uh, spent basically all of my childhood and uh, youth group age growing up at Calvary in Republic, Missouri. Um, got involved with the kids ministry there, got involved with the youth group, and at 12 years old uh, on a mission trip to Colorado uh, is when I gave my life to Christ and, and committed to uh, living my life for Him. As far as worship goes, as far as worship ministry, I love music. Music has been a huge part of my life since I was little. always loved singing. Really started to just kind of feel a sense and a desire in my uh, heart, my soul, my spirit that uh, that there was something special there that uh, God was doing something in my life. Um, I hope during this next season here, uh, coming to be a part of uh, Schweitzer, is to come and just be a part of this team. Come and and uh, plug in with a group that's established here, and uh, and help be a part of a ministry that that is thriving. And then I, I hope to build upon that and and bring new people in. To, to help grow this team and to to shape this ministry in a a way that uh, not only just affects this church, but affects the community around us. Uh, I just want to say thank you for having me uh, here as a part of your team uh, at Schweitzer. I'm looking forward to getting plugged in and involved with the worship team. I'm looking forward to leading these songs with you guys. I hope that you'll come in and sing and engage with us. And uh, if you're musically inclined at all and you want to get involved and you haven't yet, um, reach out, connect with me. Um, Connect with somebody else uh, in the church and let us know that you are are wanting to plug in with the team. And I'd love to get you involved. I'd love to have you as a part of this ministry and and do something good and great here uh, at Schweitzer. Every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. You're holy. 
There is no one like you There is none beside you So open up my eyes in wonder And show me who you are And fill me with your heart And lead me in your love to those around me Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring You are worthy of every breath we could ever breathe Oh, we live for you Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. You are worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. Oh, we live for you. Oh, we live for you. And holy, there is no one like There is none beside you So open up my eyes in wonder And show me who you are And fill me with your heart And lead me in your love to those around me Upon your love, it is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone, and I will not be shaken. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation I will put my trust in you alone And I will not be shaken Only there is no one like you There is none beside you Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me and only there is no one like you and there is none beside you so open up my eyes in wonder and show and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation and I will put my trust in Upon your love, it is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone, and I will not be shaken.
Wasn't that awesome? We are so thankful that Doug King has joined us to be a part of our, our church staff and that he's going to be ministering alongside of us and you. And we're so glad that you joined us today in worship. We're so glad for the people who helped put today's worship experience together, to the staff that's behind the scenes, to Stephanie, to Spencer for bringing us that word from Scripture. Uh, we're so glad that um, you've joined us. And if you know somebody that would be blessed by today's worship experience, would you take a moment, would you forward it on to them or share it with them some way, whether it's social media or an email link, whatever, but share this with somebody who needs to be encouraged. They need to know that God is with us. No matter what kind of circumstance we're in, God is with us and he's caring for us. Thanks so much for being with us. I'm Pastor Jason. I'll see you next week for week five of the Elijah story. See ya.